once again to another episode of Dead Men Talking. I'm Arnie Harper. I'm Buddy Johnson. Good to see you, my friend. How Good are to you see today? you and our engineer, Ian, Ian Johnson. The Man Johnson. Yeah. We got to come up with a cooler nickname. Yeah. In the engineer. We need, yeah, we need something like, you know, Bo Snurdly or something like that. We right. need to, exactly. <laughs> he's our Bo Snurdly. That's what we'll work on this week. That'll yeah. give me something productive to think about. I could give you some of his nicknames that we had for him as a child, but he, mm. he probably wouldn't appreciate that. Yeah, so. I'm guessing his, <laughs> not, yeah, probably not. Speaking of which, so this was my nickname. You know what my nickname was when I was a child? And I actually went no to earthly. I went to school the first day of school, you know, and they ask everybody, "What's your name?" And I told them what my nickname was. I thought that was my real name. Again, I'm from Alabama, right? <laughs> so you we're talking like Cletus or something like that. Oh, maybe even more primal Tree than stump, that. Bullfrog, boy, boy. <laughs> I thought my name was boy. Yeah, because that's, that's what everybody called that's me. That's great. Everybody so, called me boy. So I thought my name was boy. Was your sister girl? No, that was <laughs> the amazing part about it. But I quickly, uh, you know, I, that's kind of a cool name. I kind of wish that. You, y'all, will y'all start calling me boy again? That is yours. <laughs> you might have aged out of boy. <laughs> <laughs> there comes a uh, time limit where you can't use that as a yeah, name that, anymore. That right? may not. That may not work. So what's new? Anything new and exciting in your world? Oh, goodness. Um, furniture shopping. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's pretty exciting. That is. That's. Mm. Uh, and we were talking earlier, and I said, oh, yeah, I did get a new couch, but I don't want to talk about it, so here I am talking about <laughs> You brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> well, you asked me what I've okay, been doing. Okay. My mind, I'm thinking, what well, in the world have I done? All right, so when I'm thinking exciting, something exciting. I really didn't think furniture shopping would would come up and be the topic. No, probably the most exciting thing is I have some kind of critter that's eating all of my bird seed uh, overnight. So I've got to find out whatever this critter is. You sure it's not turkeys? Messes. I saw a picture a week or so ago of like 100 turkeys on your deck. Well, as far as they roost during the night. So whatever mm. this is, is coming during the night. So I figure it's a raccoon, possum. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise known as supper in parts of Africa. A nocturnal varmint. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, supper. That's cool. Supper. Sunday dinner. That could be a. Yeah. We know. could all come over to your place for lunch next Sunday. And <clears throat> I see you're you're just right there teetering on the verge of having PETA call us if anything. <laughs> yeah, I've offended. Just, <laughs> We're three minutes into this. I mean, episode you're, you're and, just a coonskin cap away <laughs> <laughs> from having animal rights activists after us. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, what are we going to talk about today, my friend? Um, I think we're uh, let's take a stab at parenting. Big topic, right? Uh, and let me have a let me start with a disclaimer. Neither one of us, I think I'm going to speak for you in this. Neither one of us in anything that we talk about are claiming to be experts who have executed parenting to perfection. Uh, Wait, are you including me in that? Uh, well, I, I thought that you <laughs> might join with me in that. Absolutely, be, be, I'm in that. I'm, feel free to include me in that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's a process. Uh, you know, you wish. Uh, always that there's things you could go back and do over. There's so many facets to it. Uh, like many things in the Christian life, we're all on a journey together, uh, trying to learn. 
hopefully to make up for mistakes from the past and move forward with clarity. So uh, this will be for us guys our age, older. Um, hopefully, if there's some younger folks that are listening, that it'll be helpful to them to kind of see where we are and a way they can maybe move in a different direction. Yeah, any of us that have been uh, parents or hope to be parents, uh, these kind of conversations are interesting. And, you know, we can all glean from each other's experience and certainly what the Bible has to say about parenting. And uh, so uh, exactly, I, uh, I look forward to it. So well, where are we going to start? As a, as a title, I thought about it like this. PG parenting in an R world. Mm. Isn't, isn't that witty? Isn't that catchy? That is incredible. Yeah, not so much. But but anyway. Amazing. Uh, PG parenting in, <laughs> in an R world. Um, you know, everybody's familiar with the movie rating system. I mean, things are changing now with Netflix and all that. And, of course, that's a kind of a fluid uh, thing, fluid standards, fluid lines that you can cross. But uh, obviously R is something that's a little more, quote, mature, whatever mature means that you should be able to handle that with PG uh, being a little different. And if you think about how a movie or a television show gets an R rating, I think it's usually based on three things, language, violence, and sexuality, uh, the degree that it has of those. And so if you think about our world being R-rated, I mean, that's, that's, that's pretty easy to do. Uh, language in our world, uh, it, it's becoming increasingly ignorant. And by that, I don't mean by anybody's accent or dialect or anything like that. Uh, I mean, content. Um, it, it just, any kind of, any kind of fair assessment of the language and conversations in most circles, very shallow. I mean, people talk about things like coaches. Well, I mean, not coaches. <laughs> people talk about things like couches and critters eating stuff off their back. Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? But um, but there is a lot of ignorance, uh, people that are misinformed or ill-informed or, or completely informed in the wrong way. Uh, also, obviously, there's the foul language. Um, you know, I scroll through social media. I'm the quintessential stalker. I told my kids I was going to be a social media stalker. I'm a social media stalker. I don't mean that in any kind of weird sense, but I keep up with it. I want to know what's going on in society. Part of that is, I think, as a pastor, uh, I need to do that. And it it's not shocking, but the language that's used on social media among even very young teens and the sites that they peruse and that they go through, uh, it's it's appalling. Uh, I mean, I I was I was a pretty rough kid as a um, as a teenager in many ways, and the the language that we used was not good. Uh, but there were places that you didn't use that kind of language. And there were people that you didn't use that kind of language in front of, and you would have never put that in a in a public display on a public display. So you know our language has become very foul as a people. Um, you know, the f bomb now is, is just a very common phrase. Yeah, it's become commonplace, right? Yeah, anybody uses it. Violence. Uh, it's been it's it's been normalized. Um, in movies and television, that's just part of it. Uh, video games, I think of it this way, it's been pixelized. And uh, obviously, you know, anybody knows what pixels are, you know, the little co colored dots that make up. So that's just kind of a play 
to say that in video games, uh, first-person shooters, all those kinds of things, any number of studies that have shown that that has some kind of impact, at the very least, on people's views or of violence or their comfort with it. And so our world is is inundated with that. It's it's virtual death and destruction all the time. But what makes it worse and what makes it pixelized is that they see this death and destruction, and then you just respawn. You know, you turn the game back right. on. All the buildings that were blown up are there again. All of the characters that were that were killed and their heads blown off in a gush of bloody gore, uh, they're all okay. And you just start over, and you do that over and over and over. So become desensitized to it. And then sexuality. Sexuality is pervasive and perverted. It's everywhere. You know, you sell um, crackers and Camaros with sexuality. Uh, you know, everything just about has become sexualized, and 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 sexuality is talked about on the news. It's displayed on the television shows and on movies. Uh, it's it's talked about and sung about in the music in the music that everybody listens right. to. Uh, and, and it's and by perverted, I don't mean that you know you don't think about the weird end of that kind of spectrum. Perverted means anything that's twisted away from the truth of Correct. scripture. So so we have that, um, and and then things like the objective morality of it being removed. You know, what is the standard of how you behave sexually in the world? Uh, who says what is right and what is wrong and what drives that? And, and then, you know, even kind of more nuanced things like people are becoming sexually active sooner and then getting married later. And so there's this all kinds of this twisting of sexuality. So you have language, violence, and sexuality, world filled with it, and all on the decline. It's getting worse. It's not getting better, uh, and and it has not been getting any better for a very long time. So uh, you've laid the groundwork pretty clearly for us as parents. We got our hands full to raise kids with a biblical Christian worldview in a world that screams and twists and perverts all of these things. Uh, you know, you got this bombardment of depravity. Yeah. Uh, and so somehow we, as responsible parents, wanting to raise children up in the ways of the Lord, have to navigate that. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I feel like that whole... <laughs> string of verbiage that I just poured out there. We could, I could have probably said that in like the world's messed up. Right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think you, I think you summarize that pretty well. So, so what is this, what, what can stop it? What uh, will reverse this trend? And you know, you know what our answer is, right? Uh, Starts with a J and ends with an Jesus. Uh, Jesus, right? right? So Jesus is the answer, the word, the gospel. But what does that mean? Does that mean that we need to have more evangelism in America? Sure we do, right? Uh, does that mean that we need to have the, more preaching? Uh, does it mean that we need uh, more church? Well, think about this. There's a lot of evangelism. Uh, we can always use more, but there's a lot of evangelism in America. There's a lot of preaching in America. Yeah. Uh, we could talk about good, bad, whatever, but there's a lot of very good preaching in America. Uh, biblical solid stuff, and there's certainly plenty of churches. But here we are. Our world is R. You might argue X. Yeah. Why? Well, parenting is the missing element. Mm. It's it's the home. 
So we have all of these things, but the biggest piece of all the home is is what seems to be missing. Husband plus wife under God producing godly offspring, not just bio babies, uh, but biblical babies. So that's what the whole reason that God puts man and woman together. He says, I want you to go produce godly offspring. Well, I think the part that we miss in that, I mean, we, we get the reproduction part right <laughs> we understand that and we and we want to be blessed by that but but the the more important part uh-huh. of that is that we are to produce godly offspring we can't save them but that has meaning godly offspring so there is a part that we are supposed to do uh, in this our retrobate reprobate world we need parental guidance we need not just parental guidance, but to produce godliness. And so that's kind of what I want us to look at, kind of springboarding off of that. This piece of the home, producing Bible babies, godly offspring, <clears throat> and what are the areas in the world that we need to engage with that? Right. So, you know, uh, so when we approach, as new parents, we approach, and we know these things, right? We know how the world is and and how we want our kids to grow up and how we want them to view God and uh, the things of God. Um, so I guess, you know, oftentimes we as American parents, I'm going to say American parents, we think if we just get our kids in church, they'll be all right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that doesn't seem to be the answer, is it? No, no, that's not the answer. And you know, it's it's in, it's an important part of it. So we don't want to, you know, make less of that than it is. It's an incredibly important part of it, but it's not the magic pill, right? And that, and, and exactly, and that's one of the three areas I want us to look at. You know, it kind of um, our Christian life is reflected in our natural life. God uses that as symbolic instruction. And I thought about years ago in relation to like pursuing any kind of dream uh, or any kind of passion, shall I say. You can have a dream. You can dream about something. You can wish something. And what you're saying is, is that I hope circumstances align themselves that I get this outcome. It's something that you think is a good thing. You want that to happen, uh, but it's it's more of a wish. But a passion, you say, this is worth me sacrificing, working, paying attention to, and intentionally addressing. Uh, so those are different things. Well, well, here's what I think the problem is. Parents in America have abdicated responsibility in three major areas. One is academic or vocational. Uh, we've handed that over to the government. So you take the typical American, right. and again, this is not to this is not to overgeneralize because there are radical exceptions to everything we're going to say. Right? I'm just talking about Absolutely. in generalities that bring us and as they apply to each of us individually. Right? So, uh, what what about the American parent? First thing to abdicate the role in academics and the vocational. I hand that over to the government. So think about this: the government then is going to determine, whether it's local or whatever it is, uh, the government is going to determine what my kids are taught, how they're taught, the the authorities that will drive that. And here's the even scarier part. Government is driven by special interests. Okay, a little bit more on that in a second. Second is relational or sexual. We've handed that over to their peer groups. I mean, I don't know how many times I've talked to a parent 
that, you know, you talk about the idea of having the talk, right? The, right? the talk is an awkward thing for everybody to think about. To talk to your children about sexuality, when you know the first thing that's going to reflect in their mind is you and your spouse. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's just an awkward thing, granted, for everybody. So I don't know how many parents I've talked to, they're kind of glad that the kid's quote, figured it out mm. or learned it somewhere. So it's been hand, handed over to the peer groups, to pop culture, uh, and in some cases to the government, to school. Right. Who says things like, well, we've got to have sexual education in school because the parents aren't doing it. What a scary thing to think about. That's, again, more on that in a second. And the third one is theological that you mentioned. So what have most American parents d- done? If they do anything at all, they hand theological training over to the church or let the media take care of it. And so those are the three categories. Yeah. Um, and that is a, uh, a, a scary thought that we just hand that, that education, that training, that raising of our children over to movies and social media and their kit and their peers and, you know, a government that, you know, I mean, I don't want to be the guy that sits around with the tinfoil hat, you know, <laughs> on and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, let's be honest. The government has ulterior motives. It's not just necessarily what's in the best interest of the people. Oh, exactly. And, you know, we talked about you know, that in an earlier podcast. Yeah. A little bit. And so, but we just hand our, our you know, education – Again, let's preface that by saying we have wonderful, wonderful people that you and I know that are part of this church and great churches all over America that work in our public education system. So this is praise no way. Praise God for those folks. Yeah. This is no way to to diminish their uh, their efforts or anything like that. So please don't misunderstand. Right. Know. But what <clears throat> what they are charged to do is to teach an academic subject. And because they have been saddled with so much other stuff, the teaching of the actual academic subject matter has become clouded, become more difficult. Um, So to just kind of get it from the base and run at it, the academic part, the vocational part, at a certain age, just because that's what you do as a matter of course, you hand your children over to the government system. A government system that we talked about before was designed, this modern system by John Dewey, uh, remove God out of it, secularize the society uh, in working with those of the business world to produce workers that will be able to take care of a job right. and will keep the machine moving of the people who have power and influence. So so we just hand them over. Uh, Vody Bauckham or Vody Bauckham, depending on how you say that, he's he's got a famous line where he says, you know, we hand our children over to Caesar and then we stand back aghast and shocked that they become Romans. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you just you, you hand them over. Uh, and then in many cases, parents are hands off until the report card comes out. Yeah. So, so here you go. Here's Junior. Here's Sissy. Wait a minute. Let me see that report card. Well, you got a check and a check and an E or A or whatever it is the grading system is. So let me look at your grades. Let me look at your conduct. In other words, are you embarrassing me and are you moving toward this goal of getting a good job someday? And and if those criteria are met, then they're okay. But the role of a Christian parent is not just to monitor the report card, but to understand the curriculum. 
Uh, it, no Christian parent should ever have a child studying social studies or math or English because in English and literature you read material and not know what in the world they are talking about and how is the teacher presenting it. Yeah. You know, I've got a student uh, now. Our our children, full disclosure, our children have been largely homeschooled, uh, not just for this reason, but we have a child in public school. And in English class, they are talking about political subjects, which political subjects tie into theological and biblical right. uh, perceptions, you know. Uh, so you need to know that. You can't. We can't just hand them over and abdicate that responsibility. That's an that's a responsibility of the parents. Because here's the deal: there's an end game in education, the end game to produce standardized workers that can work in a given field. Then we have this hierarchy of achievement. So you achieve this level in this system. So you get to be a doctor. You achieve this level. So you get to be a this. You get to be a that. You know, we, we have that. There's variation in it. But the idea is to produce a standardized worker. And so we need to understand what the end game is. As Christians, godly offspring. Not just a standardized worker, but godly offspring. How does the curriculum that they're hearing impact that? And just, you know, a couple easy examples. Um, so a Christian parent, here we go. We take Susie, little Susie down to kindergarten and little Susie goes to kindergarten, pretty benign, blah, blah, blah. But very soon, little Susie is going to be exposed to a curriculum that has as its foundation, nat natural origins, big bang theory kind of stuff and evolution. Okay. So then little Susie from grade one or two is going to be, inundated with the idea, not just not just in her science, but everywhere about evolution. And so over and over and over again, the idea of evolution. Well, now here's mom and daddy. They're taking her to church on Sunday. And, you know, once every year or every two years or whatever, there'll be a sermon or a Sunday school lesson about God making the heaven and the earth. And depending on who the teacher or preacher is, they may not emphasize the literal whatever. So over now, is that a big deal or not? Does that matter? Um, evidently, for a lot of people, it doesn't because because they don't really, you know, there might be an occasional, ah, oh, you know, that's not how it is. But so, but they're learning that over and over and over again. The idea of relative truth is another theme that is woven in the public educational system uh, curriculum that goes beyond even what the teacher might specifically say or say as an individual. So this idea of relative truth, well, why does that matter? Well, we have this culture now where if you're offended, you're right, right? <laughs> if yeah. I'm offended, I'm right. Well, think about this. You're raised, you're you're taught in, a, in an environment in which truth is relative. Uh, you can believe or feel whatever you want to believe except for two things, orthodox biblical Christianity and political conservatism. Those are, those are out of bounds. Radical Muslim views, uh, you know, and how oppressive that that's okay. You can you can think and believe that, just not uh, Orthodox biblical Christianity and not political conservatism. Those are taboo, those are evil, those are wicked, those are all those things. Deviant. Yeah, deviant. But otherwise, so relative truth that our children are being enmeshed in of America, and then the idea that, well, if I'm offended, I'm right. Well, that just makes sense, right? So then what I do, I start looking at all the world to see what I can be offended about. And not only that, so I then category, categorize people, uh, the offended and the offender. Well, how destructive is that to society? 
that that brings up feelings of violence and anger. So anyway, that's just a couple of easy. Yeah, that 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 in and of itself creates discord in society. You know where we all. You know, we we all just stumble over reasons why we shouldn't get along over yeah. and over and over. Yeah. And so in that school in, in the in that situation, truth is relative. What do we believe? Truth is absolutely standard objective absolutely. from the Bible. Yeah. Um sexuality, goodness, we haven't we didn't touch on that. Right. Uh, the way that sexuality is taught when it is taught, and the fact that it is moving people toward not just a, a tolerance, but an actual embrace of uh, other kinds of LGBTQ lifestyles and thoughts um, and then the idea of relative truth and an offense culture and a cancel culture that divides people and brings up instances of violence. So all that is there. So we can't just abdicate that responsibility. It's a responsibility of the parents to be involved in the academics and in the vocational training and direction of their children and to have input in that, not just the government. Yeah. So um what I'm hearing is you're saying is we as parents where we fail is we're not taking on hands on. So maybe we don't have time or able to make the commitment, whatever, to yeah. homeschool our kids or whatever. Yeah. But we don't just hand them over and blindly wait for exactly. graduation day. Yeah, you the, know. yeah, and this that's not about a promotion of homeschooling or Christian schooling or or, right. or against them being in the public schools. I mean, each parent has to make we their, make those decisions what's best for our family and our children. About right. that, you know, often the motivation for those decisions. I mean, that's <clears> between a person and and God. But the issue is 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 that full engagement, not yeah. just with did you get your homework done, did you make an A, what but are you, what are you discussing in science? Yeah. Okay. Uh, your science teacher or your science book said that everything came into existence from a big bang. Let me tell you, let me tell you what the Bible says about that. And, and how often do you need to repeat that? As often as I hear it in school. Yeah. Well, and, and also, so, you know, what are you, the uncomfortable conversation, what are you hearing people say about sex? Right. And those kind of things. This is what the Bible says. Yeah. Um, yeah, what is being taught. And um, so I, I see that we're moving. <laughs> it's time. The second part is relational and sexual, which ties into it. Uh, I kind of already mentioned a lot of parents avoid that issue. Uh, but just I because the, it is uh, comfortable, you know, yeah, having to have that conversation. Yeah, it's uncomfortable for sure. Well, uh, and since I have all boys, I don't know how you all did it, but since I have all boys, that conversation fell to me all three times, and and because one of the con one of the conversants is here as our producer, I won't go into any great detail, <laughs> but it, it's entertaining. Maybe someday we will uh, talk about that specifically because that may be an important thing for us to talk to parents about yeah. since we've been there. But the the radically different response to the three from the three of those about that, and <laughs> and just as just as we probably should, we'll do a podcast about this at some point because I think it's that important. But just as an overview of that, uh, that talk started with God and what God did in creating people and what exactly this union was designed to do, and we, I mean, it was. It was probably, I don't know, Ian can correct me on this because my memories, but it's probably three quarters theological and one quarter mechanical. 
Um, so anyway, we can talk about that. We should do that as another podcast. But the idea is, is, is you know, avoid that. I don't want to talk about that. Right. Well, they're going to learn it. One way or the other, they're they, going to learn they are, it. They are going to learn. Um, the world, what does the world say? Just do it, right? In fact, where it used to be when I was growing up, in all ages, when puberty strikes and even before, little boys are curious about little girls and vice versa. And there's always been that temptation since time began. We see that in the Bible. We see that all over the place. I mean, that is happening. But the difference is when I was in school, it wasn't that people didn't want to engage in it, but there was still a little bit of a, we know better, a little bit of a taboo. You want to do this, but you know you shouldn't. Right. You you want to do this, but you know at some level it's not right. You really shouldn't. Now, again, that can make it more enticing in some ways, but but that's not the case anymore. What is the case now is what you this is just normal. If you don't do this, you're abnormal. If you if you did these things before you weren't abnormal, but you were breaking the rules. You were, you know, I mean, you weren't right. doing There's what you were supposed to do. There's this element of, of, you know, getting outside the bounds of what's acceptable or not, and that's just not the case today. It is absolutely acceptable and expected. Yeah, expected. That's a good word. That is a good word among the kids. Um, and so we let the peers teach them. Now, if you're a parent of any age child, I don't suggest you just do this just for idle entertainment, uh, because it is it, it can be it could be a seductive trap to some people. I challenge you, if you're a parent, to download the app TikTok and just scroll through it for a little while. You will see the level of sexuality. And, and how it is that your children are being educated in sexuality if you are not intervening. And it is expected, and it is perverse, and it is pervasive. It is all of those things, and it is, and it is being projected as normal. Uh, and there is such a strong pull in that age group to want to be accepted, to want to be not just accepted, but seen as desirable, as cool, whatever you want to use. And so that is where they're learning. And, and then again, we talked about this a little bit from the government is another place where the uh, relational sexual stuff is coming from. And they do it under this guise. Well, parents aren't talking about it. Or what about the child whose parents don't talk about it? Uh, you know, I can think of a lot of people that if I were not going to do it, that I would that I would be okay with them talking to my children about sexuality. The curricula that the government provides is not one of those. Right. Uh, absolutely not one of those. And so we have that battle. Well, again, what are we as parents supposed to do? Not abdicate that responsibility, but take it on full force to educate ourselves, to plan it, to think about how we talk to our children about that, to be engaged with their lives, to know um, what they're doing and, and how they're involved as best we can and to monitor those things and to keep the biblical perspective in front of them. <clears throat> yeah, I think the key word there you mentioned was engaged. And so uh, like like lots of things, there's different levels of engagement, right? Yeah. So we might think we're being engaged by 
just having dinner time conversations, but we got to be digging deeper than that. We got to be digging, you know, like you said, what did you, what did y'all talk about in science today? Yeah. You know, what were the kids talking about hanging out at the bus stop today? Yeah. Well, yeah. And to just to know what's going on, what they're being exposed to and to see that and to be willing to have those conversations. And, and as parents, you know, another thing, um, this idea of dating, going together, talking, 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 whatever, however it's being worded now to go steady or to be, you know, parents promote that among little bitty kids. Oh, I know. They think it's so cute, so Those darling. It's annoying. Me. <laughs> uh, little Bobby has a little Bobby has a girlfriend. Little Susie has a girl, and and they start buying presents and all, and they and they they hook them up and i don't mean that in any kind of no I'm, but but you but know right they, yeah and they plan these it. little boyfriend applaud, girlfriend things yeah, you know with, and they yeah. applaud that and what they do is they set up a serial dating life you know we have serial killers and we and we train our children to be serial <laughs> daters you know i mean you change them as quickly as you change underwear and you move on through life well what is that doing dating is a part of sexuality uh, claiming exclusivity is a part of sexuality that's being played out over and over. Uh, maybe as I'm starting to talk about this, this is a deep one that we could probably have a separate conversation about as well, um, because there's just ways that that gets practiced. And so naturally it's going to lead to that engagement. And when the deep emotional attachment that should be involved in that is not there because we've practiced this serial relationship, stuff all their lives then to go in and out of the sexual part of it becomes a lot easier well yeah and i guess uh, I, one of my issues with that whole youth child dating thing is we're putting kids together in these situations where they get in these deeply emotionally charged relationships that i don't think they're ready for to begin with don't know how to deal with those kind of they're really natural emotions that are meant for adults to, you know, when you're looking for a spouse, when you're looking for someone to spend the rest of your life, commit the the rest of your life with, right. and we're putting children in these those kind of situations, dealing with those emotions, and naturally our physiology and all that leads us, you know, that's the way God created us, and so. We start down these paths that they're just not ready for, shouldn't be. and uh, In a world where, to use your word, it is expected that you engage in sexual behaviors. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if, you're, if you're doing what you're supposed to do. Last thing, uh, theological. So we have the academic vocational, handed over to the government. No, no. Parents be engaged in the curriculum, uh, be combating things in the curriculum that are unbiblical. Do it as often as they hear it. Be engaged with uh, what is being taught about relational or relative uh, truth and uh, situational ethics and those kinds of things, uh, different worldviews in the Bible, make sure you're combating that because you're engaged and you know. The idea about uh, relational, uh, just get in there. Uh, there. You can be a parent without being a pest. And my kids would probably say, I crossed that line a lot. You're going to cross that line because we're not perfect. But be a, don't be afraid to be a parent because you might become a pest. Better to be a pest than not a parent. And do the hard work of engaging on that subject matter. And do it maturely and do it from a biblical perspective. And then theological. Uh, many parents hand that over to the church. Yeah. Now, again, that's not terrible. Uh, but if you think about it, even hand it over to the church, 
So they go to school. What is it? Five hours a day, six hours a day. They go to school six hours a day, five days a week. That's 30 hours. Uh, all of that's not instructional, of course, but they're in that environment. So then they come to Sunday school where they have, um, you know, 10 minutes of 10 minutes of snacks, uh, 20 minutes of craft and 10 minutes of play and 10 minutes of lesson. So in many cases, even if they're being sent to the church where parents go, well, you know, I'm going to, I'm taking them to Sunday school. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. Uh, they're getting 10 minutes. Okay. Then they come into the sanctuary. If there's not a children's church and the children's church play the whole thing over again, add another 10 minutes when you got 20 minutes, if they come to big church, so they won't be a disruption, they hand them a pen and a pat. Now that now they hand him a phone and they <laughs> let them play on the phone. So they won't become a distraction to other people. And so they will behave. And so they're not, they're not engaged in that. So at best, even let's say they are at best, if they hear a whole sermon, 30, 40 minute sermon. So let's say they get, we'll go crazy an hour a week from the church as opposed to 30. Now, not only 30 that they get from the schools, but then they go home and what do they do? Four to six hours, I think is what kids spend on electronic devices now a day. So let's just say, Four. Let's just, or let's just say three. So that's another 15 hours in the week, not counting the weekends. So now you got 45 hours of social media, video games, uh, government school versus one hour from the church instruction. Just the sheer weight of that uh, has some kind of bearing on it. And, and then often when they go, just to be honest, to church, they get a very man-centered approach. Uh, you know, you are the center of everything. And so man becomes the center focus, all that God has done for you, skipping over the part of all that God is, which is, which is what makes all of it matter. And so you have that disconnect then where instead of focusing on God first, they learn to focus on me first. Uh, and, and so you have that in being played out in many ways through topical lessons, you know, very practical stuff. Not that those things are bad. And then in many contexts, there's this liberal bent, you know, not taking the Word of God as seriously as it should be taken, not exalting it to the degree that it should be exalted, uh, not holding it up as an absolute unyielding standard. Uh, it becomes this instruction book, this thing to help me, you know, live out my life more practically. Uh, and then they get entertainment training. So we're going to entertain you with cartoons and videos and crafts and snacks. And then when we get to youth, we're going to do the exact same thing, just a little more sophisticated entertainment. And then we're going to bring you into the sanctuary where you fall asleep. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, but, but I'm, you see what I'm saying? I mean, it's entertainment training that happens at the church often. Why? Because so much of the church is, is a... Um, is consumer driven. I, I need more people. The more people I get, the more successful I feel. The more successful I feel, the more I, the more I think I'm doing a good job because that's our American mentality, right? So that we've handed them over to that. Um, we also v view children in church as next generation. Um, how many times you say, "Oh, those those children, we we need to. They're important because they are the future of the church." No, they're not. If it's a biblical context, they're the church. They are the church. Uh, there's a myth of adolescence. You know, at 13, in when the when the Bible, when the New Testament was being written, at 13, you were a man. Do work, take care of a home, 
Start thinking about a wife. You're a man. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> and so we look at 22-year-olds and go, oh, they're the future of the church. <laughs> no, no, I mean, so so what is that doing in their spirituality and, and the mentality they have about the whole thing? Um, and so, oh, one other thing, and then, we'll, then we can discuss that, is where parents let the children pick the church. Right. How many families go to a church not based on what is being proclaimed from the pulpit, is it is it solid biblical truth? Not not based upon the, is the music biblical and clear things that we've talked about before and exalting to God. But do Junior and Sissy want to go there? Which often means do Junior and Sissy's friends go there? And so if you think about this, a family spirituality being based on the peer pressures at school from their eight year olds and twelve year olds. So the family decision of where they're going to receive theological training is based upon that. So, uh, again, the time element, one hour, the idea of the curriculum that you don't know what it is, you, you know, uh, if you don't know what it is, you're not sure. Is the child making the choice or is this a biblical choice by the spiritually mature parents uh, as to where they're going to go and what they're going to sit under and what they're going to be taught? Uh, what is There's so many pieces in that. All of that to say, even if all of those are perfect, perfectly biblically taught, all of these kinds of things, perfect, perfect environment, that's still so minimum, minimal compared to the world. God didn't design the church to be the primary theological teacher of the child. Right. He designed the parents to be the primary theological teacher of the child. Yeah. Um. How uh, how are we going to wrap this up here? Yeah, how do you want to do that? Went a little long, didn't we? <laughs> no, no, we're good. It's a great conversation. That's yeah, you know, it, it just sparks as I'm going through here that there's probably things that we do need to talk about deeper that would be good conversations. Let's let me wrap it up like this. So we've got this R world out there, and the church is the only light that's in it, light and salt. Um, this this powerful force in the world to change things. God has said, here's how I want that to happen. Parents, I want you to produce godly offspring. I don't want you to hand over uh, any kind of academic, vocational, life course training to the government. Uh, they can, You can afford them to do parts of it, but you need to be the one who's in charge of it. You need to be engaged with it. You need to know how what they're learning or being taught, the environment they're in, how that relates to biblical things, and you need to step in and correct the ship where it's off kilter. Uh, then when it comes to the idea of relational and sexual, you can't hand that over to the world and you can't hand it over to a bunch of teenagers to figure it out on their own. Uh, that's going to lead to wickedness, heartache, uh, sorrow, all those things. Instead of that, uh, parents step in, do the hard work. Don't abdicate that. Don't wipe your brow and go, glad I didn't have to talk about that. Uh, take that on as a, as a as a chore, a labor of love, and invest the Bible into them in that category. And then the same thing theologically. Make sure that you are taking them to a church where the Bible is preached, where the music is not just entertaining. Uh, nothing wrong with it being entertaining, but that it's godly and it's biblical, and that you are then training your children uh, in in just sim something as simple as reading the Word of God right, daily absolutely. with them.
Right. Uh, but you are engaged in those things, and they know from you and from the environment that you're placing them in at church how important it is to stand on the Word of God and the gospel. Very good, very good. Yeah, this is what we – I mean, we could literally break this down into four podcasts, and maybe we'll kind of do some episodes down the road that kind of dig a little deeper into – yeah, and we could probably talk about some more specifics, practical applications of these things, yeah. Um, yeah. and and maybe even some of the ways in which we've uh, maybe we not always hit home run in our <laughs> own experiences. But. Oh yeah, all right. I'm looking That's forward a, to that one. That was uh, <laughs> you and me both. Nothing like bearing our souls. We'll yeah. we'll see about that. But yeah. uh, I thought that was an important thing for us to talk about to have on record out there as a resource. Yeah. Well, I hope folks enjoy this uh, this episode. Uh, uh, don't hesitate to reach out to us uh, via email, deadmentalking at yahoo.com. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss, just maybe even drop us a little line, give us some feedback. Uh, you can reach us on most uh, any podcast uh platforms yeah uh apple we'd appreciate it if you'd rate us maybe give us a comment on there and, uh let us know how we're doing hope you enjoyed uh this episode i've sure enjoyed talking with you buddy so yeah always all right well we'll see you next time on the next episode of dead men talking <laughs>